0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Wilderness is not a luxury, but a necessity of the human spirit. Edward Abbey.
2: You know what platinum blazing is?
1: Platinum blazing. No, I haven't heard that one.
2: So a uh, platinum blazing is it is if you're like living really luxuriously on trail like you're staying in the nicest hotel every town you're going to a spa uh, i met these two ladies in a uh, dung pennsylvania in a bar and that was where i learned the term they were like we're platinum blazing like we have a spa day tomorrow we're getting pedicures and i was just laughing like you all. i was like this is this is super funny, but like, if you have the money, you could stay in a hostel of some sort almost every night on the AT. Like, no joke. It's just a different, it's a different trail altogether. You know.
1: I'm Doc, and this is the John freaking Meerpod. Welcome. Let's start off with a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, who is a freshly minted triple crowner. Welcome to the John Freaky Muir Pod, Eddie Janicki. How's it going, Eddie?
2: Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Did I get the last name right?
2: Uh, yeah, Janicky. Uh, Janicki. Janicky.
1: Yeah. Janicki. Janicki. Yeah, yeah, I usually cover that before we go on air, but <laughs> I was so excited to start talking tonight, I just went with it. Janicky, got it. Yep. Okay. Hey Eddie, since you you're a triple crowner, you, you've got a lot of miles under those. Uh, I'm assuming trail runners. Um, during all those miles, did you happen to pick up a trail name?
2: Yeah, uh, my trail name was Bard, or is Bard still? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I got that a couple days into the PCT in 2018 that was my first trail uh-huh. um yeah a guy gave it to me because I was carrying a guitar and I carried a guitar for the whole hike um but it was funny at at the beginning um I also had like a harmonica with the neck stand and some other stuff along with it and a bunch of other heavier things that I ended up getting rid of but the guitar remained but um anyways initially he called me one man band and um i didn't like that name it was too, it was too long um so he was like all right i'll think of something else and then he called me bard the next day so i was good enough to stick it's not the greatest name i've ever heard but i liked it enough
1: yeah i like it that's nice i mean you could have gone with one man band he could have gone with minstrel you could have yeah. gone with oh, i mean there's there's some other ones out there too
2: yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways you could go with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I've, now, I've, I've heard of a couple other bards, which makes me like it less, uh, but that's all good.
1: You Kind of want to be unique out there, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. All
1: mm-hmm. All right. Hey, I understand that we have a common friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ginger balls. Yeah. He was, um, we met on the CDT and he, the first time I heard your podcast was, I think, the first time he was on, um, and that would have been right after we both completed the CDT in 2020, I think. So he is yeah.
1: he he is hilarious. He is so fun to talk to. He's been on multiple times.
2: Yeah, he's just one of the best guys I've ever met. One one of the most interesting and definitely one of the most badass in the hiking world for sure. Um, but. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've been trying to get him on for a fourth time. We've kind of been playing this whole calendar yeah. game where it, it, we've got something scheduled, then it falls through. We've got something scheduled, falls through. Back and forth. Um, He's he's living his best life. He he. You know, I'm amazed at what he has done. In addition to just being a triple crowner, now he's he's actually right. doing. You know dog sledding stuff you know up in alaska which is just crazy. he has no experience in this but he's done it now for a couple of years yeah he's he caught on with a with a group up there and is just loving it so uh, i really want to talk to him about what he's been up to
2: yeah it's incredible I, I love following his adventures outside of hiking and yeah
1: okay so you have listened to some episodes of the john freaking Mirror Pod. do you have a favorite
2: episode Um, I've only, I've listened to the ginger balls one, and then I just listened to one this week to to just kind of re-familiarize myself. I think it was, um, uh, Oh, Kate, she didn't have a trail name. Kate in the wild. yeah.
1: Kate Kate the wild. Right. Yes. That was
2: a good episode.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. She was, she was pretty entertaining to to talk to.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It was funny for me because I actually just met a girl named Kate on the AT and she also didn't have a trail name but it was a different girl, but I was like, Oh, is this the same Kate can't be, but yeah. So small world there.
1: Her her trail name is now just Kate, (laughs) just Kate, two words.
2: Yeah. It's official.
1: Yeah. So I only, I only ask you to listen to the podcast. I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment at the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week. It's where I will turn to you Bard and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised.
2: Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. The must bring gear review.
1: Bard, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Bard, what uh, what do you have to have out there? What's your must bring piece of gear?
2: Um. Well, there's a lot of things. It's hard to pick one because you don't want to bring like a good t-shirt and leave the shoes at home. But, um, I would say like my go-to piece of gear is my hat. It's a, it's the same hat I'm wearing. Um, in general, a good hat that you like, I think is really important. Um, early on in the PCT, I started with like one of those straw, like, uh, sun hats and the first really windy day, it got ripped to shreds. So then I switched to this hat that I already had, but I hadn't been wearing. And it has, it, um, it has really good like strap tightness on the back. So you can, you can leave it on in the back of a pickup truck on a hitch or whatever. It's not going anywhere once it's tight. Um, so yeah, that would be my go-to, I think. All right.
1: Lean in. What's, what's on the front of that hat?
2: The, oh, it's a uh, Schweitzer ski resort in Idaho. Okay, that's all one right. of my favorite places to ski.
1: So, what is the criteria for hat? I mean, should it be a ball cap? Should it be a, a hat that that is uh, you know has a you know a wide brim all the way around that protects from the sun, protects your ears and your neck, or what, what, what's your preference?
2: I think it should be like a ball cap style. This one's like a flatter bill, and it has like the different panel design than like a standard baseball hat but um it's important in the back to be to not have that brim because mine would like hit up against my backpack um but if you're someone who wears one of those like shorter ultralight packs a wide brim hat's fine probably but yeah sun protection comfort I mean Mm -hmm. yeah it's just a nice thing to have I think and, and for me, as my hair gets longer, it's nice to just throw on a hat, but like long hair is kind of a maintenance issue. So I've been wearing hats a lot more lately.
1: Keep it all contained.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Understood. Now, um, one of the things that's popped up the last few years has been this whole trend of sun hoodies. Do you, do you ascribe to that uh, bit of apparel?
2: Oh yeah. Well, I've seen a few of those, like the, like Melanzana, um, and I actually have a really nice hoodie from App Gear Co, Appalachian Gear Company. Mm-hmm. They sent me one before the AT, which was super cool. Um, but I honestly didn't wear it that much. It was too hot on the AT, too humid. Um, so I would mostly wear that in towns for comfort, not so much for like uh, sun protection is that what you mean it's like a sun protective hoodie or like yeah some
1: you know with the wide brim hat that goes all the way around you know you got your neck protected and everything else and if you go with a ball cap what i've done is worn the ball cap and the sun hoodie and you don't have to worry about you know spending so oh, much yeah. time slathering on the sunscreen
2: that's good for the back of the neck yeah good point
1: yeah also, with the if you have a long sleeved uh, sun hoodie, you don't have to slather up the you know the bug juice or the sunscreen on the arms either. So,
2: right, right, yeah, no, that's a good point.
1: Okay, it's the hiking pole. On to the next segment, the hiking pole, and that is pole spelled P O L L, like a survey, not the pole that you hold in your hand uh, while you're trekking out there. And this is a seven-question survey bar that's going to help me determine your level of sanity. At the end of this, I'm going to give you a score between 1 and 100, with 1 being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. So the higher the score, the more sane you are.
2: Okay, gotcha.
1: Okay, and you haven't seen these questions. You don't know what these questions are. Um, I have to tell you that there's an automatic 20-point deduction for triple crowners. Because, you know, there's, there's some level of insanity involved with, with hiking that many miles.
2: Right. Right. Okay. okay I'll so take
1: that, that. Yeah. So you disagree with that?
2: No, no, nope, no disagreement there. <laughs> At least it's not 20 per trail.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Just, just a, a stock 20. So highest score you can get is 80. Great. Ready to go.
2: I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Well, what would your family and friends give you, give, give you in terms of a sanity score? If I um them.
2: probably around
1: 50 50 right there on the on the midpoint
2: somewhere in the middle yeah
1: okay how about do you have a boss how about your boss
2: um he would the boss would probably be higher or more insane so lower maybe like 25 or 30 oh really yeah well because kind of- work, work friends and bosses they don't understand the whole deal as much as my family and friends do so They're, they're entitled to think I'm insane. That's fine. (laughs)
1: Okay. I thought maybe you put a better, a better foot forward at work and pretended to be a little more sane. So that's why the score might go up.
2: Well, well, yeah, that's a good point. So maybe I'm back at 50 again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. First question. Very easy one. Uh, Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there?
2: Uh, no poles. Yeah. Hard oh. no on that one.
1: <laughs> Hard no. You've done all three American long trails with no poles.
2: Yep. Yep. I never had poles. I, um, on the CDT, there's a lot of dangerous river crossings. So I would just find like a temporary stick or walking stick. And then once I cross the river, toss it and move on. But, but yeah, hiking poles, they, they really don't, do anything they help with your balance but I have really good balance so but it's a myth that they take weight off your knees and back they really don't do that um so yeah I don't know I think it's better to just develop more natural strength and better posture without pulls um Mm -hmm. but it was a little awkward I guess because like my hands were free so I think somewhere early on, on the PCT, I started just carrying two smart water bottles in my hands. Um, and that worked good for me because I don't like using camelbacks. So, yeah, I, I just had water handy all the time. And, <laughs> so.
1: Okay. Now, of the, of the folks that you encountered out on the trails, how many? What, what percentage of people were without poles and were with poles?
2: Um, it's very rare to see no poles, so it's always a cool thing when I see another hiker. Like, we'll just give a little like this bump, like no poles club. Nice. Um, I had a buddy on the PCT named Meach, uh, he comes to mind. He was another no poles guy I'm trying to think of anyone else, but yeah, definitely rare. I would say over over 90% have their poles and, and really like them. I, I don't want to knock it for people who like them because it does develop a good rhythm for people I think um and I I ski a lot so I use ski poles and I I understand like the rhythmic aspect of it but uh, yeah yeah both are both strategies are good
1: yeah I have to say that uh that 90% of that that holds true for the guests that I've asked this question of. I think 90% of oh, them yeah say, yeah I use poles you're you're in the minority there <laughs> All right, question number two, boots or
2: trail runners? Uh, Definitely trail runners, yeah, Mm. all the way. Um, uh, My favorite ones are uh, Nike. I forget the model. They're like Pegasus, trail runner, 36 or some number, but those are the best ones I've ever had by far. I've had that same pair three times now, and I love them. They're so good.
1: Now, when you guys-
2: Oh, Go sorry. I've ahead. had a North Face as well and some Solomons that mm-hmm. are pretty good too,
1: but yeah. Okay. Now when you got started hiking, I mean, did you feel the pressure to conform and wear boots and you just kind of kind of learn from experience or you, you just went straight, you know, uh, started I, with trick runners?
2: No, the the shoe I started with on the PCT was more of like a middle of the road. Um, it was a North Face hiking shoe, you know, it wasn't like a full on like hunting boot or something, but it was more of like a shoe. So, but then, yeah, what, I mean, after a couple, a couple months, it's like, this doesn't make sense. Um, really the, the main question that people need to ask themselves is what's most comfortable, what works for me the best. And maybe that's shoes. Maybe that's, I met a girl on the AT who hiked in Crocs and she's done multiple long trails and she hiked in Crocs and I thought she was crazy, but then like, she's, uh, she's like, I've hiked this, this, and this. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I'm not like not knocking it. I'm just, you don't see that every day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Crocs. That's a, that's an automatic 40 point deduction on the hiking pole.
2: Yeah. That's uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's insane to me. And I met her in New Hampshire where it's like really steep and rocky and I, I couldn't imagine slipping around on the rocks and those, was Crocs but (laughs) what was her
1: trail name do you remember
2: I don't remember um I don't remember no it might come to me yeah it
1: had nothing to do with footwear
2: it was nothing to do with the Crocs no oh wow that's
1: that's surprising because that would just jump out as as a possible trail name. yeah
2: but she was hiking with her uncle they he had joined her for like that last month on trail or whatever it was but yeah nice girl all
1: right well, oh, Croc did. Girl, Croc Girl, if you're listening and you hiked with your uncle, was it on the AT you said? Yeah, AT. Yeah, Croc Girl, if if you hiked with your uncle on the AT, reach out uh, via social media. <laughs> Let's get you on the podcast. I want to talk to somebody who's done a, a you know a full through hike with crocs on. That's yeah. gonna be uh, <laughs> a crazy story.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Question number three your preferred, your preferred shelter system, tent, tarp, hammock bivy or cowboy camping?
2: Um, I would say tent is definitely the pre- uh, preferred option. I did cowboy camp a lot on the PCT, which is always a blast, but um, that's definitely funner if you're with like a hiker family or other people. Um, the tent is just the best of everything. Like my tent, at least, you can leave the lobby door open and still get a good view of the stars or the sunset or, you know, the cliff or whatever. Um, so you can have your like freedom, but you can still, you know, strip down and air out inside without, with some privacy. And, uh, yeah, tent's the way to go. And it's, a tent is nice because, um, you can sprawl out with your gear and, um, when you're packing up in the morning, you won't forget anything because it's all in your tent. Like I've left certain things behind cowboy camping before, because it was like, you were sprawled out in a different way than you were used to. A lot of it's just routine and the tent is routine for me. So.
1: Yeah. I talked to area 52 who uh, was doing the PCT. He was bound and determined to do cowboy camping the whole way. That changed oh, wow. I think that changed in you know, he he was uh on one of the sky islands in the desert the desert part. I don't know if it was I'm not sure maybe it was San Jacinto uh, he uh woke up in the in the middle of the night with a, with a scorpion on his face, so he he changed his oh, wow. story after that so yeah <laughs> all right, hey, your preferred sleeping system sleeping bag or quilt. this is question number four
2: um sleeping bag. Um, yeah I've I had the same sleeping bag on all three trails so that's in the three timers club but it was um it was a little bit big and warm for the AT it's a zero degree bag but I I like having it just for the cushion and the comfort I've never been like it never been like a ultralight guy
1: you don't feel too constricted in the sleeping bag
2: no it's okay I I can zip down one side all the way and kind of sprawl out and A lot of, a lot of nights I would just sleep on top of it, you know, but yeah, I never went with the quilt, but I saw some cool ones that people had that made me think about it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Question number five, when it comes to food, are you a stove guy, cold soak or stoveless?
2: Um, I would say stove definitely, but, um, it changes depending on, uh, you know, depending on the timing of it, the the first trail on the PCT, I liked having a cooked meal every day, even for lunch. Most of the days I would do lunch and dinner. Um, but then by the CDT, I was just cooking dinner on the stove. And then by the AT, I was still cooking dinners on the stove, but really getting sick of it where it was just kind of a chore. And a lot of nights I would just eat the same food all day breakfast lunch and dinner it w- and it was just snack food bars and beef sticks and stuff um but yeah i i like having a stove definitely the uh the cold soaking that's never appealed to me i don't i don't know about you but and uh but yeah i, I understand stove for the like um uh, once you're like kind of streamlining your gear, that that makes sense to go stokeless. But
1: mm-hmm. now the bars don't don't the bars get old? The bars, I mean, for me, whenever I have a bar, it, it's always a chore. to Yeah, that
2: thing. they they do for for some reason. Cliff bars never got old to me. There was enough variety and flavors, and um but yeah, I definitely crossed a bunch off my list that you get sick of and you never want to look at them again. Mm-hmm. but but then I mean there's so much variety like my my cousin Whitney uh sent me a care package when I was in um New Jersey this summer and just because like she was someone who didn't regularly send me packages she had these different bars there that I'd never heard of you know she's like oh I like these when I go to the gym or whatever and I was like oh these are great and I don't even remember what they were called, but it's nice. It, you just have to always be switching it up, whatever your food outlook is. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you got to have some variety. I have to imagine that anything that you eat straight for four or five months, you, you're never going to eat that again. You're just going to get sick of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No more, no more ramen and tuna for me for the rest of my life. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the tuna is fresh caught and that's some sushi.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Question number six is life better above or below the tree line?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say above, Like, Yeah, definitely above. But I mean, I mean, where are we talking below tree line? Like at the beach, like along the ocean or like in the woods below tree line? Well, if we're
1: talking about tree line, we're probably talking about in the woods. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely above Then I, um, some of my best memories on all the trails were views above tree line on the PCP and CDT and the AT I'm working on just shunning out of my memory. Cause it was pretty monotonous for most of the time, but yeah, definitely above for me.
1: There are, there are some spectacular views above the tree line, especially in the Sierras.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's unbeatable in Washington. I'm in Washington. I love it up here and Yeah. Definitely, some amazing sunsets and sunrises, and fresh snow, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you are you above or below? I'm oh, I'm above. I'm above.
1: I'm above, above. above. Yeah. yeah, definitely. There's there's some there is a just a pure beauty. Uh, um, yeah. Above the tree line with the high alpine lakes and the the granite and kind of the, the desolation. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right, last question. Uh, what's it more, um, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items?
2: Um, for me, it's definitely comfort over pack weight because I've always had uh, like kind of a heavier pack. Um, on the PCT, I started really heavy, especially with having the guitar and it being my first hike. I had other items that I ended up ditching after the first week, but um, my pack still stayed heavy after that. It was probably like. 40 pound base weight i want to say and then for this for the cdt and 80 or 80 i streamlined it a little bit better i was probably around 20 or 25 pound base weight um but yeah comfort all the way i think what whatever weight you're carrying you get used to so um i mean i've heard i've met the ultralight of the ultralight hikers and they still complain at water breaks about something. So like, what's the, what's the deal? What's the point? I mean, um, I'd rather have a big pack and have everything that you need and um, carry enough, carry excess water. And yeah.
1: So are the ultralighters when they complain, are they complaining about that six pound pack on their back or are they complaining that they don't have some kind of uh, comfort item?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, it's probably a little bit of both. I, I can't, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but yeah, I'm just playing. But um, yeah, I think it's better to go uh, slower in general, too, because I mean, that's how you s- see stuff in life is just going slow and walking. So like the whole the fast and lightweight thing, um, I, I was definitely on the other end of the spectrum from that.
1: Okay. Well, let me take your answers. We're gonna we're gonna put them through the uh, the algorithm we have here. We're gonna say I do some math. I gotta carry the two. I got to divide by root three, gonna multiply by pi, and we're gonna adjust for the atmospheric pressure at the top of Rainier, because I know you've done that a couple of times. And I <laughs> yeah. come out with a score on the sanity scale of 48.
2: Oh, 48. Okay.
1: 48.
2: I was almost right
1: on there. <laughs> Pretty darn close. Pretty darn close. I have a feeling your your friends and family would not be surprised at that score.
2: Yeah, I'll take that. I like that forty
1: eight. Okay, you know what? I would suggest getting a ball cap and having that uh, stitched on the front forty eight, and you can wear that on your next hike.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go.
1: That'd be a good conversation piece. You could talk about the, the you know the John Freak pod.
2: Yeah.
1: Be a win-win. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail bar, let's back up a little bit. I'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you played as a, as a kid, and how did you get involved in the thru hiking cult? What, what moment in your life uh, made it apparent that you would love to spend months on end in the dirt, uh, sleeping outside?
2: Yeah. Well, um, I hadn't thought about it at all. I didn't even know what the PCT was, um, but then uh, my best friend from college was thinking about hiking it, and this it uh, this would be like three years after we had both graduated, because um, his brother his brother is also a triple crowner now. His brother had hiked the AT and was getting ready to do the PCT, so um, so I started planning it with them, and it was all three of us, we stuck together for the majority of the trail, um, which was great, having like a, a hiker family the whole time. So that was my first introduction to any long distance hiking. But to back up further, I was, um, I was always really outdoorsy as a kid and our family was always in the outdoors, um, just skiing and mountain biking and hiking mostly like day hikes or weekend long trips. But, um, and, um, and my grandpa was a logger, uh, the logging company he started is still in operation to this day. Um, in Cedro Woolley. Um, so in high school I, I worked some logging jobs for a friend of his not for that company, but, um, so my first work experience was in the outdoors and, um, I just loved it. And, um, and I also grew up partially, um, in the San Juan islands, if you're familiar where those are like Northern Washington, um, spending a lot of time out on the ocean. Um, but also in the woods on the islands, like just building stupid little trails with my cousins and stuff like that. Um, so all that stuff as a kid, like adds up in a way that, um, you don't really like comprehend. So I didn't know what the, these trails were, but when the time came to think about it, it was like, "Oh yeah, I'm ready for something like that." Um, and I didn't even know that I would be, you know. So, in that sense, I'm thankful for uh, my buddy Eric for even inviting me or thinking about it himself, and then thinking about me. Um, so, so, yeah. What was it
1: like growing up on the island? I mean, how 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 big was the town, was it was it well populated or?
2: It's, it's very low population, um, but you can actually drive a car to it. So they, they diked a road out to the Island in 1932. Um, so it's, it's accessible by car, but it's still technically in the San Juans. But, um, I say I partially grew up there because it was mostly in the summers. And then in the, during the school year, I would, uh, live down in Woodinville in Seattle area. So. It was like a back and forth life. Um, but yeah, a lot of my outdoor influence comes from those summers. Absolutely. Um,
1: nice. Any brothers and sisters?
2: Yeah. Just one brother, um, identical twin actually. So, Oh, a twin. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We've been on some Epic hikes together too. Um, he's very athletic and outdoorsy himself. So, yeah.
1: Okay. I'm always interested interested to hear if the siblings have a similar interest in the outdoors and in doing doing long distance through hiking. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people I talk to, you know, their family thinks they're crazy and it would have, you know, nothing to do with what they're doing. But uh sounds like yeah. your brother, your brother's of a similar mind.
2: Yeah, he is. He uh he hiked a short section on all three trails with me, which was really cool. But yeah, I definitely uh almost broke him a couple times <laughs> with uh there was um yeah he he hiked on my probably my rainiest hiking day ever it was on the at this summer and he was with me for that stretch it was in north carolina and it would it just rained piss rained for like 72 hours straight like no joke and um yeah he was with me for all that it was it was a grind we were not in a good mood at the end of that but Yeah. So he's, he's been through some good experiences.
1: Now, did you you ever pull any tricks on other hikers out there with the two of you you know, being, are you identical twins?
2: Yeah, we're identical. Um, I don't think we pulled any tricks, but um, yeah, no, but it was, it was definitely confusing sometimes because you go these long stretches on trail where you're like leapfrogging with people and they'd be like, wait a sec. I just, uh, yeah, (laughs) you're already like kind of spacey when you're out on trail, just thinking.
1: <laughs> right. That's great. Now I knew, a, I knew a, a pair of twins in high school. One of them liked math. The other one liked English.
2: And hey, so that's, that's One, and one would go to
1: both math classes and the other one would go to both English classes <laughs> and the teachers were none the wiser.
2: Yeah, no, I, my brother, Luke, I had him edit all my English papers in college. So <laughs> I was an engineering major. <laughs>
1: Okay, which brings me to my next question, which is how do you pay the bills? How do you finance your adventures?
2: Yeah, Um, so my degree was in civil engineering, and um, I'm now a project engineer for a general contracting company in Seattle. So, um, But yeah, for the first two trails, I was working for different companies, and I had to quit my job to do each of those two. But this third time around, uh, they were really cool about it and, uh, they just called it a leave of absence and I'm getting ready to go back to work here pretty soon in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, to pay, to, uh, finance the hikes, you just, I just saved up. And, um, once you're okay with the decision of, okay, I'm going to live without a income for six months, it's actually very freeing. And, um, I recommend people to do it that way if they can, because it's nice to have some financial comfort when you're on trail. You know, It's nice to be able to stay in a motel or eat a good meal and not worry too much about it as long as it's within your budget. You know,
1: but, Right. Now, for, for folks out there who are listening and who may be considering doing the a long trail like the PCT or the AT, what, what is that uh, on average? What would you say that would cost somebody to undertake that venture?
2: Um, I would say about eight grand on average. I think the PCT and the CDT were somewhere around there. Both um, the AT was more expensive for me. Um, I felt like I was staying in more motels alone without people to split the cost. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what uh, adds it up. And if you take double zero days, you're going to be spending money in town. So
1: <laughs> right now, I think that there's probably a lot of uh, I'm going to use this you know air quotes on this. There's a lot of normal people who are listening to this, who have an interest in the outdoors and are right. you know dreaming of what may be possible. And they think to themselves, how can you possibly leave your job for five or six months? How can you be unemployed? Take that kind right. of risk. And I think I think even in, I, I think now in today's society, after the pandemic and everything else or in the tail end of the pandemic, we're still in the however you want to define it, know, <laughs> I mean, what we've gone through the last few years, there is such a staffing crisis uh, across the country where people have you right. know made decisions that they're gonna they're gonna uh, in terms of their work, they're gonna do it this way, they're gonna work remote, they're gonna, they're gonna work part-time, whatever whatever the decisions may be. there, there are so many openings. I think the fact that, that we have a staffing crisis and there's so many openings that might even lend itself, this, this environment might lend itself to people who can then kind of take a flyer, say, I'm going to, I'm going to resign. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to hike for five or six months and I'm going to come back. And there's going to be a position somewhere for me in the field that I'm in.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, and then what, what the pandemic was probably good just overall and, making people really internally question what value is in their life, whether it's exercise or work versus play. And how do you meld those two things? Um, yeah, I consider myself lucky that I got my my mind thinking about work-life balance before all that. Um, and um, in construction engineering, it's it's nice because you can kind of go by the life of a job. So like my first job out of college was three years long, just on one project in downtown Seattle. So at the end of that three years, I was kind of at a natural mental shift in my work anyway. So it was like a natural time to lend my mind to thinking about other opportunities and stuff. But, um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, But another thing about the pandemic that was funny was I missed the whole pandemic. Basically I was on the uh, CDT. So like I told you, this is my first time using zoom. I missed the whole work from home zoom culture. I was like, my girlfriend's calling like there's riots in Seattle. And you're not going to believe what's going on. And I'm like going through the desert in New Mexico. I'm like, that's great. But I mean, out of sight
1: out of mind <laughs> keep on trucking that's right keep on trekking yeah so, all right hey we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about uh, some of your adventures and uh, if you've encountered any type 2 fun out there so stay tuned we'll be right back <claps> Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at JollyGear.com. hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Welcome back. We're talking to Eddie Janicki, uh, a.k.a. Bard, and uh, we're going to get to some stories now. This is my favorite part of the podcast where where the guests share some of their adventures out there on the trail, some memorable moments, highlights, lowlights, type two fun. Uh, it's, it's your turn now, Bard, to entertain us with some of the stories. Now, I understand that you you kind of got your start or maybe some of your big accomplishments early on involved uh, Mount Rainier
2: yeah so uh before all the hiking began I so yeah Mount Rainier that was right after I graduated from college I was home for about a year and me and the same friend who went on to hike the PCT with me me and him were like really wanting to hike Mount Rainier so yeah we did we summited in 2016 um, we did it the guided route, which because we were inexperienced and that was a good way to do it. But yeah, that was really, really fun and really uh, kind of one of the benchmark, like eye opening things that would lead up to hiking. But um, yeah, after doing that one, I continued on to summit, the rest of the volcanoes in Washington. So there's four others besides Rainier. Um, and yeah, I just knocked those out over the next few years a couple of them were between the pct and cdt i think
1: um yeah okay now i, I went to seattle this past summer and oh, mount nice. rainier mount rainier is a fixture in the back Yeah, it's always oh, yeah. I mean, you can tell where you are you know, depending on where where mount rainier is on your on your compass here yeah and so it, it is it is a it is your what you would think of with a a, a an imposing majestic mountain it looks like it i mean it, it's got that yeah. shape to it it's
2: it's big yeah
1: yeah but it's not as big it's not as tall not as high as mount whitney but mount whitney i mean if if you were to even if you were standing in lone pine and you're trying to trying to pick out mount whitney you'd have a difficult time picking out which one is mount whitney there is no mistake about which one is mount rainier
2: right yeah yeah no there's no mistake in it. it that's like the prominence they call it like it's a very prominent peak and uh on certain days like if it's a clear day it looks humongous and then certain other days it looks smaller it kind of comes and goes but um yeah it's definitely a fixture it was um I knew it'd be a cool thing to be able to because you look at I'm looking at it every day so it's cool to say like oh yeah I've been to the top (laughs) and
1: yeah. I think that's interesting that when something is, when you live in the neighborhood of something and it's, it's on the horizon and you see it on a daily basis, it's almost like it calls to you. I mean, it yeah. kind of wiggles its way into your brain and you become fixated with it. I and mean, we've yeah. got, we've got a couple of local small, uh, prominences, hills, top, you know, high hills. I'm not going to call them mountains, but high hills in my, in my, you know, looking out from my backyard and, you know, it it calls to me and I I end up going on that trail and, and, and doing that so often. It just kind of wiggles into your brain.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Now in 2018 is your PCT through hike. You started with the PCT. When you started, did you know that you were going to want to do all three or was this kind of like, let's see how this goes?
2: I thought that it would be the only one. Um, well, I mean, cause in the beginning, I didn't know anything about through hiking. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing at all. Um, and I didn't know what the PCT was. Um, so I, I just thought it would be just one trail and then move on with life kind of thing. But um, it was such a rewarding experience. It was incredible in every way. And then after a couple of years of working and, getting back to life I just started getting the itch again you know you start getting the wind under your feet and feeling like getting back out there so and then then it was like okay I'll I'll do the CDT because that was um the next most epic one um, in my eyes and the most appealing with mountains and true desert and everything it was so that one was kind of calling out to me um, and then, um, but still, I didn't think I would hike all three, but I know that I knew that, um, doing the AT is kind of a requirement after you've done the first two like that. So, but in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'll get to the AT at some point in life. Maybe when I'm 60, you know, I, I had zero desire to do the AT and my suspicions were confirmed <laughs> of, <laughs> of not really wanting to do it. but. Um, I had some fun on the AT, but, but yeah, I, I didn't intend on hiking all three. It just turned out that way. Um,
1: now, Bard, there are, there are some through hikers out there who will, will live and die saying that the AT is the best. It's the oldest, it's got the most history. That is the best American long trail.
2: Yeah, they're crazy. They're a number one insane on your scale. <laughs> 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 I I'll tell you, I met a guy the day before I summited Mount Katahdin, I met a guy who it was his seventh time hiking the AT seven. And he was a great guy. who's super nice. Um, Richard was his name. And, um, but yeah, in my mind, I'm like, this guy's, this guy's crazy. Like, has anyone told him there's other trails out there? <laughs> but no, I mean, to, it's, um, I can joke about it all we want, but like, it's, uh, it's what, you know, like to me, Washington has always been the most beautiful place on earth and to someone who's grow- who grew up in, you know, North Carolina or Massachusetts, wherever it is, they, they may have been looking forward to that their whole life and you can't take that away from them. But, um, but I would say that if you, um, if, if you're just someone who's looking to do, a hike and you don't really know, do your research. And if you know it's only gonna be one, just do the CDT or do the PCT. <laughs> just move past the want to do the easiest one first, quote unquote, because they're all hard, they all have their learning curve about them. And uh you can work through that. So, like just do which one appeals to you like scenically and emotionally, and um yeah, but if you know you're going to do multiple, then it's okay to start with the AT, and, and it's a great way because you meet a lot of people and um, you don't have to filter as much water and worry about food as much and stuff. So,
1: yeah, let's talk about the differences between the three trails because yeah. I talked to uh, Mister Fabulous, uh, yeah. Derek Lugo, the other night for the second time, and he had just he has just finished the CDT. He had done the AT previously, and he he said. I think ginger ball ginger balls will also attest to this, that uh, the CDT is not an easy trail. He said that if uh, Mr. Fabulous said that if he had done the CDT first, he probably, he's not sure he would have finished, let alone try another trail. It might've been end of the road for him. Yeah. So that is a, a particularly it's a long trail. I mean, go, you know, 3,100 miles, depending on which alternates you take. And uh, it's pretty, pretty rustic in some places.
2: It's, it's an absolute beast in every sense of the word. And at the time it was really difficult, but it's the one I look back on with the most pride and I'm, I love everything about my CDT experience. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, so the year me and Gingerballs did it, that was at the height of the pandemic, right at the beginning, there was no other through hikers out there. We like I, I was adding it up the other day. Like I literally met probably 10 or 12 other Nobos the entire time and gingerballs was one of them. And we only hung out a couple times, you know, but I feel like he's, we were, you know, uh, birds of a feather or fast friends because it was so rare to see other Nobos that like we had met briefly on my first day but it was just outside my tent i didn't see him he like yelled to me and then i forgot about him and then three weeks later we met on the back porch at toaster house in pie town new mexico and he's like no way you're barred you're barred we met and i was like wait who are you and uh so like our encou- and then we had a couple more encounters that were just really offhand but like we got to hang out in the town together and um and it was that way with other the other through hikers i met that year where it was like wow we're out here doing it we're really doing it and the CDT probably feels that way anyways because i mean some of those sections like the south san juans in colorado and the wind river range in wyoming and um and uh the chihuahuan desert in new mexico like It was the most rugged and desolate hiking I've ever done. And, um, so part of you in those moments is like a little scared or angry at the daily grind, you know, but then when you step, when you step up and look at the horizon, you're like, "Wow, I'm I'm out here really doing it. And, um, and this, the PCT, you feel that way a lot too, but there's more people, um, and the at i can honestly say i never felt that i never felt like wow i'm out here doing it i was and maybe it's because of the order i did them in which people can take my bullshit about the at with a grain of salt because i did do them in a weird order um but yeah the at just wasn't it didn't have anything awe-inspiring for me there were good moments but um yeah
1: yeah. From what I know, from what I know, I, and I haven't done the AT, I haven't done the CDT. I've spent some time uh, here and there on, on sections of the PCT. From what I know from talking to people and, and reading on stuff is that CDT, very remote, very yeah. remote, very rugged. You're out there in the middle of nowhere with, yeah. you know, who knows how many other people in a you know 20 square mile radius of you. I mean, it is, it yeah. is really remote in some places. Uh, that you can get that same feel in the, in certain parts of the, the PCT, you get that feeling right. of remoteness, but I think the AT it, it's it's um, there's a lot of population centers pretty close to the trail. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of, lots of towns, uh, you know, just off the trail, you know, a few miles off the trail that you can, you know, you can visit and yeah. do laundry and everything else. And so it doesn't feel as remote.
2: Yeah. It's um, I put it this way to someone one time, like, there was only like four or five nights on the whole AT where I couldn't hear car traffic of some sort or yeah, like stuff like that kind of stuck with me. And like, and like, do you know what platinum blazing is?
1: Platinum blazing? No, I haven't heard that one.
2: So, uh, platinum blazing is it, is if you're like living really luxuriously on trail, like, you're staying in the nicest hotel every town. You're going to a spa. Uh, I met these two ladies in a Duncannon, Pennsylvania, in a bar. And that was where I learned the term. They were like, we're platinum blazing. Like, we have a spa day tomorrow. We're getting pedicures. And I was just laughing like you all. I was like, this is, this is super funny. But like, if you have the money, you could stay in a... Hostel of some sort almost every night on the AT, mm-hmm. like no joke. Um, so but um, I forget where I was going with that. It's just a different, um, it's a different trail altogether, you know. Um,
1: yeah, if you really want to do platinum blazing, you can do the Camino de Santiago over in, in Spain. yes,
2: yeah, that right, would. Was-
1: I mean- I hear there's a, there's a hostel and a pub, you know, every night. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. Really don't have to, you don't have to carry a tent. You don't have to, you know, carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. Walk to the next pub and you have a beer and get some dinner and, and uh, go to sleep on a bed.
2: Yeah, no, that's definitely on my long list of wanting to do eventually. That'd be a cool one.
1: Okay. Now, any any times out there on any one of these three trails where you thought, "Wow, I have gotten myself into a real situation here."
2: Yeah, um, there was. Well, there, <laughs> my mind goes to a million places, but there there was several on the CDT alone that were were, where I had to catch my breath afterwards. And the first one was just this really sketchy snow traverse in the San Juan Mountains. Um, the gut hook common comments are really few and far between on the CDT, and not in an off year, like I was doing, there wasn't like comments ahead of time, really to like warn you about these situations. But, um, yeah, there was this mountain pass where I w- was post-holing across this traverse and, um, I wasn't feeling good from the start of it. It Just something didn't feel right. But then like halfway through, I punched through and fell all the way down to my waist. And my backpack caught on the hole that I had made. And I'm just like hanging there. And um, and below my feet, it's just like based off the steepness of the cliff that's next to me, it's a sheer drop beneath me. So I tried my best to just calm my body to not dislodge any snow. And I kind of like spider crawled up onto the snow and caught my breath again. And then the whole rest of that traverse, I just spider crawled on all fours. And that's a situation where I was thankful. I didn't have poles. I, I had the water bottles in my hand, but I used them as kind of like ice axes and I crawled my way across and, um, that was like that was like a legitimate near-death experience um
1: yeah so you was, kind of distributed your weight by spider crawling right you kind of uh yeah. p- p- divided your weight in four by having four points of contact
2: yeah exactly and, and not
1: ha- not having it on just two feet and and slipping through falling through the snow
2: and the ice exactly yeah you want to get big and wide and um hmm. yeah so that was really scary um And then there were, there were some wildlife encounters. The first time I saw a moose was terrifying just because it was closer than I wanted it to be. And, um, and I'd never seen a moose before. That was crazy. Um,
1: now a moose is a, is a large animal. I think it's larger than people realize.
2: They're big. They are tall. Yeah. Really tall and lanky and really unpredictable. Um, I've, I've seen moose now. I had a grizzly bear encounter in Yellowstone and I would take the grizzly bear over the moose. Like I don't want to mess with moose in too close of proximity. Um, But uh, yeah, that was,
1: that's a a good statement. I think that's the right statement. You'd rather have a grizzly than a moose because I think from statistics, the moose are the, are the, is the more deadlier animal. I mean, they, they, people, people die more often by run-ins with, with, Moose's, me, yeah. moose. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> with, with with moose than they do with with grizzly bears each year.
2: Yeah, no, I believe it. Um, there was one moose in Colorado. Like, like I said, I came around a bend and I spooked it, so I was way too close, and um, and it was snorting and like rearing in the dirt, and I just, I just backed up and gave it a space, but I, I had my bear spray ready to go. I was ready for it to charge
1: but um, did you yeah. have you heard uh, jeff garmeyer's story about the moose
2: no i don't uh, i don't know who he is uh, legend oh okay i've heard the name legend before
1: legend yeah. yeah he he just set the fkt on the on the jmt did two 200, okay 211 yeah, yeah. miles in in 72 hours and 47 minutes jeez but he's a funny guy to talk to but he, he talked about when he was doing the uh oh great western loop great western loop and he came upon some uh, moose antlers that he thought had been shed. And he was pretty close to a town. He thought, oh, this, this is cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these to the town. I'm going to ship them home because these look good on my wall. Yeah. So he reached out to pick up the, the moose antlers and found out that they were still attached to a, a bull moose.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, they was, he was kind of hidden in the in the, the, foil, the foliage. <laughs> so he spent the next uh, 10, 15 minutes uh, zigzagging and hiding behind a tree till I forgot about him.
2: That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I didn't get that close.
1: (laughs) Okay. Any, any other moments of, uh, Oh my gosh, or type two fun you want to share?
2: Um, there's a bunch I could go on forever, but, um, it was another, like kind of, it wasn't as scary as that first one on the CDT, And this was also in Colorado. There was a river crossing where I reached where the supposed bridge was supposed to be and there was no bridge. And after a while looking, I saw that it, was, it had just been washed out and like abandoned on the other side of the riverbank that I had to get to. So, um, I spent an hour like going up and down the trail, trying to find a good spot to cross. I was hoping for a spot where I could just jump across cause it was kind of like a meandering river where I was and it was snowing there's snow on the ground at this time and um it's it's like an hour till it's going to be getting dark so i'm like i can camp and look more or i can just go for it and um so i just went for it at a bend that i found and it seemed shallow enough for like the first half of my crossing and then i realized that it dropped way off dirt at where the bend got fast the current got fast so When I realized that I might be going in the drink, I took my backpack off and like slung it all the way across to the other side. That was reachable Um, through my phone and everything over. And then I had to swim the rest of the way. It was probably like 15 or 20 feet. And, And that was, yeah, that was exhilarating. That was like, that was crazy. Um, just cause I was like, well, it, it was kind of fun. Like I knew that I wasn't going to like die, but um, I was freezing my ass off though when I got out and I had, I, I didn't have time to like sit and make a fire or anything, but I just, you know, dried off with dry clothes and just like regained my my mind, and then and kept hiking. But yeah, I forgot right. about that. Yeah, that was now, Were
1: you were you hiking with anybody at that point, or were you on your own out in the middle of nowhere, swimming across this? Road I was. I
2: own. was out on my own. Yep, wow. middle of nowhere. Yep.
1: Talk about exhilarating! Yeah. that's uh, that's crazy. All right, hey Bard. Uh, of these three trails, can you remember a particular moment that was the worst weather you ever encountered?
2: The worst weather. Um, Well, I I definitely hiked through some like snow sleet kind of like thunderstorms in Colorado above tree line. Those come to mind. Um, The most recent one was the rainiest hiking day of my life on the AT, which I might have touched on earlier one before when we were just talking, but my brother was hiking with me and it rained on us for like Fifty straight hours, like nonstop downpour, and um, and it was in this section in North Carolina where it was like really rocky at the top of these hills, and it was foggy. So like, a lot of it looked the same. And after a, like a few hours, we thought that we had got turned around, but we didn't. And like, our minds were playing weird tricks on us. But that was a wet, wet couple of days.
1: Now, Bart, is it safe to say that with 50 hours of pouring rain, nothing is waterproof? Any nope. waterproof product that claims it's waterproof, you no, put you're it through 50 yeah. hours, you put it through 50 hours of of downing of, yeah. of downpour, it's not waterproof.
2: Yep. No, we were wet down to the core, and I couldn't you couldn't use your phone for gut hook because it was just wet. I mean, there was nothing you could do. And um <laughs> it was it was crazy. That's one time where I uh, valued or um, appreciated the value of the shelters on the AT. I don't, I don't like them generally, but that was a nice day where, the end of the day, we were able to like at least get undercover a little bit. Um,
1: okay. Now I understand that something special happened at the end of the AT. Yeah.
2: And yeah. How,
1: so how, how look, before we get there, how how, how far removed are we? from that moment of finishing the AT. How long ago was that?
2: It was like a month ago.
1: Okay. So it's like still a month pretty, and, pretty fresh. Month and
2: five days. Yeah.
1: Pretty fresh month and five days, but who's counting, right?
2: Yeah. who's counting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what special event occurred on the AT at the end of the AT?
2: Yeah. So at the end of my hike, um, I summited Katahdin and then, um, I hitched into Millinocket, Maine, and my brother and my girlfriend flew out to visit me because they did the same thing at the end of the CDT, and and Luke was with me at the end of the PCT, so they wanted to come out and celebrate with me again, Um, and uh, so we ended up going to, um, what's the national park up there? Wow, I'm totally blanking. Acadia? Acadia, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we went and spent a weekend at Acadia National Park and, uh, and I proposed to my girlfriend up on uh, uh, Cadillac mountain. So yeah, that was great. That was a really fun way to just celebrate the trail and celebrate our engagement in the same trip. It was, it was awesome. It was so fun.
1: Did she say yes?
2: Uh yeah, yeah, she did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now no, had you did. showered, had you showered or shaved or anything, or you were you oh were, yeah, uh,
2: I, w- I was good. Yeah, we hung out for a couple of days before I popped okay. the question, but um yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the true
1: test, it. the true test, bard would have been to have proposed in your, your final uh, your final day of the AT in true. your full glory of, of hiker trashness.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> All right. So when is the, when's the big day?
2: Um, we haven't set a date yet, but it'll be about a year from now. That's what we're hoping for. So if you want to come okay. up to Seattle, just let me know. <laughs>
1: All right. You send me an invite. We'll, yeah. we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. Hey, Eddie, what is your, what's the next big adventure for you? What are you planning?
2: Um, There's really nothing on the books. Um, I don't look too far ahead in general, but yeah, right now it's just getting excited for marriage prep and Mm -hmm. um that's pretty big that's a big adventure oh yeah i would say it's it's the biggest yeah Yeah. um i'm really excited but um but yeah i've
1: heard i've heard bard that uh a man is not complete until he's married once he's married then he's finished
2: (laughs) he's finished or complete (laughs) no he's
1: finished he's finished
2: (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it all. It's going to be a blast.
1: Mm-hmm. And you'd mentioned, uh, the Camino as being a bucket list item. Any other items on that bucket list for you?
2: Um, there's, there's a, there's some shorter trails. Like there's one on the West coast of Vancouver Island that I've heard about that would be really fun. Um, and that one appeals to me because I could have like, uh, family of mine drop me off by a boat and then pick me up by boat. So that might be kind of cool to explore. Um
1: but have you given have you given your fiance a trail name?
2: Uh no I haven't given her a trail name, but um should we yeah, think she... of a couple of trail names, couple couple of possibilities here. Maybe she could try them on. Yeah we could yeah I'm trying to think um
1: does she have any personality uh peculiarities uh any any funny stories that we could we could work into a trail name
2: I don't know. She's definitely been on some good hiking trips with me. We did the, uh, the grand Canyon rim to rim a year ago. That was really fun. Um, she likes snowshoeing um, as well as regular hiking. Oh, uh, on the CDT, when she visited me, it was in Yellowstone, Wyoming. And I thought it was going to be this nice, like sunny section. Cause it's in August. Right. And, um, her second day with me, it starts dumping snow in August. And I was just, I like, I was just laughing. I was like, this is what would happen on the CDT. Like, and we hadn't been dating too long at that time. So I was kind of nervous for her to like come out to trail and see me, you know, cause we took a little break there when I had to leave for trail. Um, but it was just, it was so funny that it was just dumping snow and, at the end of august in wyoming and um so she's she's
1: a she's a a trooper
2: oh yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. that was really fun we we were able to get a big fire going that night in the snow and rain and yeah, we made the most of it for sure okay
1: well many happy trails in your future happy for you all right hey uh bard you know where we are
2: uh where's that the pro tip insight of the week.
1: Oh, that's half-calf. right, Half-Calf. <laughs> we were at that time of the episode where Bard gets to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us?
2: Um, There's a lot of pro tips that I could share. I was thinking about it actually, um, but I think the one that's uh, with me most recently because of the getting off the AT, our biggest tip to people would be a dry camp you know what dry camping is
1: that's where you're not near a water source you've got to you got to bring your own water with you
2: exactly so I would say dry camp more often uh, than you feel like or like force yourself to dry camp pack more water than you need at all times so that if you come across cool camp locations during the day you can set up there like don't worry if you only did eight miles that morning or whatever just just set up there if it's if it speaks to you um and then like further on that people on the AT i urge them to get away from the shelters there people get sucked into hanging out at the shelters too much and um i just that's i don't enjoy that i i only camped at shelters like four or five times probably and i was in my tent kind of away from the shelter but um but yeah, I had some amazing views because of not doing that. Like it's so much fun to camp up on like near a cliff where you can watch the sunset and have your dinner or, um, you know, it, some of my some of my favorite memories that come into mind, like in these fleeting moments throughout the days are cool campsites like Goat Rocks Wilderness and Washington State comes to mind and um stuff in the high sierras um and um yeah so i'd say dry camp more or at least go up you can be by lakes and rivers and stuff but get away from um boring camp locations i guess
1: nice yeah i mean you're out there you're out there you might as well take full advantage get away from the boring areas and get to the epic areas
2: yeah yeah absolutely okay
1: so there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Bard. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Eddie, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? And where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: Yeah, um, I just have the one. I have Instagram, um, just at Eddie Janicky. Yeah, feel free to follow along.
1: Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at mirror at gmail.com.
2: The adventure media recommendation.
1: Bart, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, a YouTube channel, something that's going to help keep our listeners connected to the outdoor adventures. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you recommend for us?
2: So does this, can this be like fiction or like? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, for me, the best outdoor book books of all time are The Lord of the Rings. Um, So that's number one. I just got to get that one out of the way. Um,
1: and Bard, stop right there for a second, because I have to confess that about, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, I was on my Kindle and I said, you know what? I wonder if the Lord of the Rings is on Kindle Unlimited. And sure enough, it was. I am Ooh. I have just finished Return of the King. So no I, way. I fully, I am fully feeling that recommendation. It awesome, that's, awesome set. Took me back to my childhood.
2: That's uh, awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Great, great recommendation. What else? You sound like you yeah. had another one coming.
2: Um uh the the author Cormac McCarthy, if you know who he is, uh uh like the one of the more recent books I read was by him, The Crossing. And um, I or I listened to it on audiobook when I was hiking through New Mexico on the CDT. And that was really cool because the character in that book is kind of just meandering through the Southwest, through New Mexico and Mexico and Texas. And uh, yeah, I just uh, that was fun to listen to while you're hiking. So I would encourage people to listen to. Books that are good for where you're hiking, maybe it's kind of a fun way to do it. And
1: um yeah, yeah. so if you're doing so, if you're doing the TA, the TA in New Zealand, listen to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, that's where it was filmed. Perfect, perfect. And if you're doing the PCT or the CDT, uh listen to The Crossing by Cormac McCarthy. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Both of those are great recommendations
2: have we not asked you
1: and now before we wrap things up i got just one more segment for you called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell us about what did we miss tonight eddie
2: i don't know i uh i can't think of anything you ask good questions i think we covered a lot um yeah what about you is there anything anything else you're burning to ask
1: yeah are are you guys planning on kids
2: yeah definitely
1: yeah, we legend and I we talked about uh people who name their kids after something some kind of character or or trait that they want them to grow into. Okay. Yeah, we we kind of lamented the fact that neither one of us were named by our parents. We weren't named Napper. I mean, that'd be, you know, a good <laughs> good thing to become a good napper. Uh yeah. in any any uh discussion of uh names at this point?
2: Um a little bit. It'll be something more traditional. I don't think it'll be like a <laughs> like a trail name or something. <laughs> yeah well actually oh, that, don't you know, know that's what
1: funny. that's a great point i mean if i wonder if there's a a married couple out there who are both triple crowners who had just they went you know full full bore bought into the whole culture yeah. and lifestyle and named their kids trail names just you know yeah the, hi meet my son cheese and uh this
2: is my uh, son ginger balls
1: Ginger balls, right. <laughs> Naps, a uh, little skittle. Yeah. There, there yeah is. Skittle? The, the, the possibilities are endless.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you have kids doc?
1: I have three. I have three. The one, do, the, the, the transitions or the introductions to the segments that's half calf.
2: Oh, nice. That's your daughter.
1: That's my daughter. Yeah. My youngest daughter. Uh, I've got a son jukebox and uh, my oldest daughter. I don't she, She's not interested in trails. So I, I, I don't have a trail yeah. name for her. Yeah. I, I have other names for her, believe me, but uh, not, not a trail name. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, that is a wrap from the John Freaky mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family
2: Bard? Um, Yeah. Shout out to all my friends and family. You all know <laughs> who you are.
1: <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Well, Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're doing your best to try and do some platinum blazing. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.
2: Yes.